The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. Welcome to episode 45. For those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a little while, you may have noticed it's been about, oh, four months, maybe just a little bit more, since the last episode. As those of you who heard the last episode are aware, my father was viciously attacked by four very evil assailants. Now, I don't know what kind of evil attacks an old, an old man, 83 and a half years old, who uses um, a walker and a cane. But apparently that kind of evil exists in this world. He was attacked. His neck was broken. And as you might imagine, I was at his side when his last moments on this earth happened. Cowboy T. Sr. C. Terrell Prudet Sr., my father, died on October 27th, 2015, at exactly... 8.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. He's no longer with us. Fortunately, the lessons he taught me are with me. Fortunately, the music he made remains with us. The music you hear at the intro and during the breaks, that's his music. If ever there were a man who was the poster child for why we need the right to carry, my father would be it. Time and again, he defended himself with his gun against racists who wanted to kill him for the the crime of being a black man minding his own freaking business. And he was successful every time until that last time. Well, now I carry the gun that he once carried. The gun that protected him for so long that... This last time he just didn't have time to get to. Now protects me, his son, and I carry it with honor. It's my understanding that the Violence Policy Center is now following me on Twitter. And to them I say welcome and thank you. I hope you learned something of why a social liberal like me supports the Second Amendment the way that I do. My reasons are valid, necessary, and absolutely American, just like my dad's reasons were. If you want to know more about why I'm, oh, why I, th- I find that so important, check out the episodes uh, talking about the, the case for black Americans to be armed, parts one and two. Also check out the case for Muslims to be armed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll help you. I would suggest you start there. And now I'm going to give you another example of why I believe so strongly in the need to carry. This involves a young lady friend of mine who shall remain nameless to protect her privacy. I'm not going to reveal her identity at all. I will say simply that she is a tiny woman, a tiny little girl. And um, she was at her, I don't know, her gym at, it's a gym at, if you will, pardon me, at her apartment complex. It's surrounded by glass doors, or you know, glass walls rather, with a glass door. 
that the glass door has a combination lock. Well, she was there one night, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. She discovered to her horror that there was this strange fellow standing outside watching her. He was there for an hour. Naturally, she got quite alarmed. She called me. She knows I am armed and that I'm six foot four and a pretty big guy. I told her, stay there till I get there. I'm on the way. She said, you got it. Well, right as I was about to walk out the door, she calls me and says, it uh, looks like the creep ran off, but I'm not sure if he's lurking about outside somewhere. And I said, yeah, you're right. You stay inside. I'm on the way. So I packed my new little 45 compact, and I went to go see her to her home. When I got there, she was very relieved. I saw her to her home, and I did not leave until I saw her walk, th- open the door, open her door, and walk through it, and then close it. Only then did I depart. Now, let me tell you a little something about her. She's tiny. If she's 100 pounds, that's heavy. Okay? I'd say she's closer to 90 or 95. She's a tiny little girl. There's no way on God's green earth that she would have been able to, to, to defend herself physically against, say, an assailant, I don't know, my size or even smaller. If ever there were a poster child who's still with us to carry a gun, I think she would be it. Well, she's alive today because she knew to call the good guy with a gun. That's me, Cowboy T. Like I said, my reasons are valid, necessary, and absolutely American for supporting the Second Amendment the way that I do. The Second Amendment is not about hunting or sport or any of that other business, you know, duck hunting or you know, deer hunting. That's horse hockey. Oh, yeah, the Second Amendment is about muskets. No, it's about defense, self-defense, just like you heard. When we come back, we're going to talk about this uh, deal here in Virginia. Yeah, there's this bit about uh, reciprocity with uh, carry permits. It was this big kerfuffle this year as a result of uh, attorney, the Attorney General's um, actions um, of cutting off reciprocity with several other states. Well, we got it back, and we're going to tell you how that happened as soon as we return. See you in a moment. Okay, folks, we're back. Let's talk about the deal here in Virginia. Some of you may have heard about that. Here's the story. Virginia has, for many years, had uh, reciprocity with several other states. The Attorney General um, has, for years, been empowered with the, uh, with the authority to uh, make reciprocity deals with other states. 
things like, for example, if you go to Pennsylvania and you have a Virginia carry permit, you can carry in Pennsylvania without any problems as long as you follow applicable laws. The same is true for Pennsylvanians carrying in the state of Virginia. What that's called is permit reciprocity or just reciprocity for short. It means your permit is good here and vice versa. Well, for, I don't know, some reason, I can only imagine why, given that his campaign was funded by Michael Bloomberg, Attorney General Mark Herring, whom I, yes, will call Red Herring because of, oh, because um, this, oh, guns are dangerous, safety, safety, and all that, what they're talking about is a Red Herring. Uh, he did something really bad. He decided to do some review of all the reciprocity agreements. He decided that, what was it, four or five states, fortunately including West Virginia, um, all but four or five states, no, excuse me, only four or five states, were, uh, were sufficient in their, um, oh, their rigorousness for getting a permit. Every other state, oh, not rigorous enough, sorry, can't have reciprocity with you, we're ending it. Again, I suspect it was a Michael Bloomberg-inspired deal because of how his campaign got, um, got funded. You know, payback, right? That caused a firestorm, folks. Both chambers of the Virginia General Assembly, the House of Delegates and the State Senate, are in Republican hands. They are Republican majorities. Now you think, oh, well, yeah, of course the Republicans are going to oppose the governor because he's a Democrat. Ha, ha, Well, this went beyond that. Turns out there was a firestorm from constituents, Virginian constituents like me. And I'm a liberal, I, I remind you all. Telling the governor and our delegates and senators, state senators, uh, this is wrong. You better back this off right now. The, um, the House of Delegates and the Senate, the state Senate, heard that and said, okay, uh, Mr. Governor, forget about getting anything uh, through, through that's a part of your agenda because you're screwing over the people, and we're not going to allow that. So you have a choice. Well, under rather severe political pressure, a deal was hammered out to restore reciprocity. Here's what's going to happen. As of July 1st, Virginia will now accept all states' permits. That's right, all other 49. For those, of the, for those that, um, that uh, excuse me, 48, rather. For those who um, issue permits, the reason I say 48, I had to correct myself, is because the state of Vermont, having constitutional carry, doesn't issue permits at all. They never have. We'll get to that here in a moment. As you know, let's get to that now. Basically what it means is, Every, everybody that has a concealed carry permit from any other state come July 1st, they will be able to carry here in Virginia legally. That's even better than we used to have before. Now, what does that mean for folks from Vermont? Well, that doesn't cover them, unfortunately, because Vermont has constitutional carry, also known as Vermont carry. Basically, the Constitution is your permit. Well, if you don't have a permit, according to the way the statute here in Virginia is written, you can't legally carry concealed. That means the folks from Vermont are unfortunately out of luck for being free. For being among the freest states in, in, the, in the nation, they're kind of out of luck here in Virginia. That really sucks. Um, I hope that the, um, 
the language can be corrected in subsequent legislative sessions to um, to fix that for Vermonters because the good people of Vermont um, are you know they're all they're all dangerous out there you know yeah right among the safest people in the world you'll ever meet so Vermont folks unfortunately it excludes you but it does unfortunately it does but it does include everybody else thank goodness so we're getting our reciprocity back come July first now. No such thing as a free lunch, right? The antis had to get something. What did they get? Well, a couple things. First, a new state law. People with permanent protection orders for domestic violence, and these permanent protection orders last a maximum of two years. Makes me wonder why they call them permanent. Well, they have to. Uh, they have to now. Tr- they have to transfer their firearms to someone else or otherwise surrender them. Wait a minute. Hey, hey, uh, we sharp-eyed people, we noticed something. Isn't that already covered under federal law? You're right, sharp-eyed people, it is. They're duplicating federal law with state law. Uh, Talk about the Department of Redundancy Department. But, you know, this way the antis can claim, Oh, see, we did something. We got a new law, which is totally unnecessary because, again, it's already been covered. But, okay, they got that. No problem, as far as I'm concerned. What else did they get? Well, they've been going for mandatory background checks at gun shows for years. We've all heard it over and over again. The gun show loophole, 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 loophole. Yeah, right? Well, they weren't going to get that, and they knew it. So, a compromise was struck. There will soon be, as of July 1st, a voluntary background check option at gun shows. This is for private sellers. What you can do if you're a private seller and you want to do a background check on someone because you know you want that you know warm fuzzy to make sure, okay, fine. You can go up to the state police because there are state police officers at every gun show at least everyone I've ever been to, and they will run a background check for you. Now, my understanding of it is that no information will be collected as to the firearm itself. It's simply a background check, period. Now, what's the carrot to get people to do that? You know, you always do better with positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement, right? Well, the carrot is this. If you, as the seller, decide to do this, then you get some extra liability protection, legal liability protection, if you, say, inadvertently sold your gun to a prohibited person. What that means is, effectively, the state police will not come and knock on your door to verify that you did not knowingly sell to a prohibited person. The way it is right now, you might end up selling to a prohibited person. Now, most sellers... Um, have ways of doing that without this background check. You know, you, let, you ask for a concealed carry permit or a um, or a voter's registration card, neither of which you can have if you're a felon, for example. Now, those who are skittish about this whole background check thing, like me, here's here's a bit of uh, a bit of information to, to calm me down. This is totally voluntary, okay? You do not have to do it if you don't want to. You do not have to do this if you don't want to. 
That's what they got. They got the new state law that duplicates federal law, so effectively it does nothing that isn't already done today. And they got a voluntary background check option. Well, I have no problem with a voluntary background check, personally, as long as it's voluntary. Sure. Now, what is Attorney General Mark Red Herring doing? Well, he's crowing, of course, because basically this is a major loss for the antis. It really is, and they all know it. So he's trying to frame this and spin this as, well, I did what was necessary to get the discussion going. I feel proud of what I've been able to accomplish with this deal. Yeah, right. Uh, the red herring, because gun control is a red herring. Uh, red herring, as I call him, didn't win anything. He knows it, too. Now, speaking of reciprocity, West Virginia, this is breaking news, will be state number eight to get constitutional carry. Apparently, they learned from the issue of Vermont, and they will continue to issue permits for those states that require them, like Virginia. But yeah, uh, West Virginia is getting uh, constitutional carry. They overrode a a governor's veto. That's right. The governor vetoed it, and uh, the, the West Virginia state legislature overrode it. That means their constitutional carry, same as Vermont. Oh, but the streets will run red with blood. Really? I'm not aware that that's happening in Vermont. Now, how are the antis reacting? Oh, they're hopping mad, folks. Uh, all the uh, all the anti-organizations, the, you know, the Brady Organization, the, um, the Violence Policy Center. Sorry, folks, it's true, you're doing it. And all these other folks, Bloomberg. Um, they're hopping mad. They're talking about how uh, Governor McAuliffe sold him down the river. They were even uh, suggesting that uh, Governor McAuliffe could, uh, you know, break his word, sign two two other provisions of the deal, but not sign the reciprocity one. Well, gee, that's called lying, and that they would advocate such a thing says something about them now, doesn't it? They're hopping mad. They see it for what it is too—a loss for them. Well, it's a gain for freedom, folks. Unfortunately, Executive Order Number 50, which McAuliffe also did, uh, which prevents you from uh, carrying in so-called state-owned or managed facilities like, say, the Virginia State Alcoholic Beverage Control Store, that was not revoking that was not part of the deal, unfortunately. Uh, we'll get rid of that sooner or later, though. Now, why, in the name of tarnation, would Governor McAuliffe agree to any of this? Look at what's going on with the Democratic presidential primary. He has been a Clinton family, quote-unquote, friend for years. I think one of two things. Either A, he wants to be Hillary Clinton's running mate, and it looks like she's probably going to win the Democratic primary, given all the the support in the party that uh, she's been getting. Or B, failing that... He wants to run for Virginia State, excuse me, for uh, U.S. Senator from Virginia, the same way that, um, oh, Governor, then Senator Warner, and Governor, then Senator Kane did. He wants to follow in their footsteps. Well, he, there's no way he's going to get elected if he cannot be seen as reaching across the aisle to the other side and making things happen. I think that's why he did it. I don't think he really believes in it. But he's looking forward to uh, political opportunities. He's, he's, an, he's an opportunist, folks. 
whatever his motivations were, the deal went through. The legislature, the Virginia State Legislature, passed these provisions of it, and Governor McAuliffe signed it. That's what matters to me. We're getting our reciprocity back. When we come back, we're going to talk about something else, something else really fun. I went to the Civilian Marksmanship Program's Advanced Maintenance Course. That's right, folks. I built, I didn't buy, I built an M1 Garand rifle. I'm going to tell you all about it when we get back. See you soon. I have an M1 Garand rifle. There are many like it, and this one is mine. Liberty, the liberty specifically to learn about these things and build them, is our best friend. Liberty is our life, and we must guard that liberty as we guard our lives, because that liberty is our life. You see, without liberty, the liberty that this rifle represents... We are useless. And without us working to ensure liberty, what is liberty? Well, it's useless. Folks, I'm not going to let that liberty be useless, and I'm not going to let myself be useless. So what I did was I registered on the Civilian Marksmanship Programs, i.e. the CMP's website, for something called their Advanced Maintenance Course, the AMC. What this is, it's a course in which they teach you how to be an armorer, which means essentially how to maintain and build and take apart and, and you know, keep in good working repair, the legendary M1 Garand rifle, or Garand, depending on how you choose to pronounce it. That's what it is. You build one from scratch. You put the whole thing together. That includes fitting the barrel, the finished chambering, building the trigger group, all that. They even teach you how to do a trigger job if you want to do it. Now, what do you get? Well, I just told you part of it. You get to build a rifle. What else do you get? Well, you get a... A uh, rather extensive tour of um, the Anniston, Alabama uh, uh, facilities there that the CMP has. There's the, the, the custom shop, the CMP custom shop, where they do all their customizations and such like that, all their accurizing tricks and such. Folks, what I saw there was mind-boggling. It is an armory. Straight up, it's an armory. They build guns there. 
a lot of guns. And they have parts for guns. Old World War II military surplus guns. I'm talking about M1 Garands and M1 carbines. Yeah, they got carbines. They're working on them. They're building them. We'll get into that later. The amount of boxes of parts and even rifles was staggering. There's a reason that that facility has alarms and guards and wards and and bars on all the windows and such all surrounding it. There's a reason. We all, you also get a tour of, uh, well, the CMP Armory building itself. There's a separate building that's called the Armory. This is where they put most of the rifles together. This isn't the custom shop. It's a separate building where they do the, if you will, vanilla M1 Garands. This is where they put together um, and you know properly inspect and rebuild the... Um, the rat grade, the field grade, and the service grade rifles. They also will build these special grade rifles. If you want to know what those grades are, go on to www.thecmp.org and read about it. Uh, there are various grades of rifle. I actually met a couple of the armorers. They, of course, knew that we, the class, were coming. And they were very gracious with us. I got pictures. <laughs> I'll post some of them on the, up on the website. You also get a tour of the CMP's indoor air rifle range. A lot of people do air rifle competitions, especially uh, young folks, you know, young kids, teenagers and such like that. Yeah, youth marksmanship. Or if you're Joe Pesci playing Vincent LaGuardia Gambini, youth riflemanship. You know, the youths are going to shoot. <laughs> That's an extensive um, air rifle range, too, that they have there. It's all indoors. So all protected and such, and it's a very nice facility. And finally, a lot of you will be familiar with this. This is the part you're most familiar with, most likely. The CMP store, where you can go in and you can buy an M1 Garand or Garand rifle. I'm talking about the, um, the various grades. They even have the sniper rifle versions. That's the M1C and D versions. There were sniper-specific versions uh, used in World War II with scopes and all that other business. They're very, very expensive, way out of my price range. But there are rifles there that are not out of your price range. Mm-hmm. They also have ammunition, military surplus ammunition. Right now they have the Greek ammunition. Uh, they also have the new Creedmoor match ammunition. Ooh, that stuff's nice. So, uh, yeah, a uh, kid in a candy store, you know what I mean? The knowledge... I can tell you, the knowledge that you get is extensive about the M1 Garand. Or, again, Garand. More formally called the Rifle Caliber 30 M1, its formal name. They teach you everything, folks. And I mean everything. I feel like, given the proper tools, I could take apart and build an M1 Garand rifle um, and have it work. I got that kind of knowledge. I now understand far better how semi-automatic rifles generally work. And I have, a, I have such an appreciation now, a much greater appreciation for the genius that was John C. Garand, the inventor of that rifle. That guy was smart. Now, I don't know that anybody will ever eclipse John Moses Browning for sheer firearms genius, but John Garand was up there too. What else do you get? Well, you get the rifle that you built. That's right. That rifle that I just got through telling you that I built, it's mine to keep. That's right. 
you build and and buy your own what's called special grade rifle. That means basically it's a brand new rifle. Okay, I got a new Criterion barrel on there. Uh, all the parts have been re- reworked and reparkerized and all that business. Seriously, folks, I have a, what is essentially a brand new military surplus .30-06 semi-automatic rifle that served in World War II. My rifle did serve in World War II. I checked the date on it. I checked the, the serial number. It was a wartime rifle. Probably also served in Korea. And new for 2016. New for the year 2016. This is what else you get. The civilian marksmanship program has of an extensive range. You get to try out your rifle at that range. So what's it cost for all this? Well, it ain't cheap. It's $800 for the class. For three days, all day, they teach you how to build one of these things. I'd say it's worth it. The rifle is a thousand dollars and thirty. Excuse me, a thousand thirty dollars, which is the price, the standard price of a CMP special grade M1 Garand rifle. It also is going to cost you for local accommodations and food. Well, uh, motel rooms there cost anywhere between forty-five dollars and a hundred. I went for the forty-five dollar a night version. Why? Because it's good. It works fine. It was clean, and it had a bed. So it's not terribly expensive. Food, now you got you know places like Cracker Barrel and Shoney's and uh, oh Longhorn Steakhouse if you want to get fancy. You got Golden Corral. The, the, you know the fast food places like you know Wendy's, McDonald's, and so on. The standard stuff that you would see at oh, a lot of places that you go that truckers go through. In other words, good good old fashioned Americana food. And you also have some Japanese restaurants and Chinese restaurants there. So yeah, they were pretty good. The instructors, Chris Ryan. And Brent. Fellas, thank you. Chris is an armorer at the CMP Custom Shop and the supervisor. Ryan and Brent work for Chris. They are armorers. All three men are very knowledgeable in the M1 Garand rifle. Let me tell you a little something about the CMP range that we got to try out our rifles on. This is no ordinary rifle range. This is a beautiful facility sprawling over acreage. For those of you who've ever been to the Talladega Super Speedway there in Alabama, you know, you NASCAR fans, the CMP range, or should I say ranges, are not far away from that. I got pictures. I'll post some of those too. That's right. I stopped by the Talladega Super Speedway. Didn't get to go in, unfortunately. Well, I was on my way. That was just so cool. (laughs) Anyways, here's what they got. They got pistol ranges, 10, 25, and 50 yards. They got a shotgun range if you want to shoot like skeet or trap or whatever like that. They've got two rifle ranges. The first is a 100-yard range. The second is the John C. Garand rifle range, which has targets at 200, 300, and 600 yards. And there are a lot of lanes, folks. All the targets are electronic. There is no paper. So you know that bit about, you know, calling ceasefire so you can go change your target? Uh Uh-uh. You don't have to do that anymore. It's all electronic. It's all done by, you know, sensors, pressure sensors, and, you know, sonic booms and all that business. And these electronic targets are accurate. Yeah. 
apparently uh, electronics and sensors and such like that have come a long way, and now electronic targets are really good. So good that I found out that the NRA is going to use the CMP targets at the new Camp Perry facility. That's right. The NRA is going to use the CMP's electronic targets. They're that good. Yeah, I spent some time. Damn right I spent some time. And I got to hear the ping. What a glorious sound. I, under- I now understand why people go for that. It's really it's not the ping itself. It's what it represents. Here I was holding a rifle which served in World War II, probably also in Korea, and I'm shooting 30-odd six rounds out of it, and I'm actually doing pretty well at it. It was my rifle that I built. I didn't just buy it. I built it. That's significant, folks. When you can do something like that, when you have the chance to do something like that, that's just up there. So the big question some people are going to ask, is it worth it? Well, duh! Is the Pope a Catholic? You know, is uh, George W. Bush a Republican? Is Bill Clinton a Democrat? You know, is the sky blue on a sunny day? Is, does the moon circle around the, sun, around, the, around the earth, rather? And does the earth uh, circle in a slight ellipse around the sun? Yeah, it's worth it. If you can do so, and they hold several classes throughout, you know, each each and every year. If you can do so, I suggest you do. I suggest you do it. I've talked before about the Finnish Mosinagants and how they represent freedom, specifically freedom from Stalin's Soviet hordes who came in to take over and kill them. The Finns, the brave Finns, with a tiny population by comparison fought off Stalin's invading hordes of, what is it, 2 million soldiers or more? Stalin sent like something like 2 million soldiers. The Finns wiped the floor with them, with their rifles. And for that reason, a Finnish Mosin-Nagant rifle means freedom to me. That's why I have one. That's why I took one with me to that thing in McLean, Virginia uh, in October. It was, I think, just when I found out that my dad had gotten attacked. I think it might have been the same day, come to think of it. Well, the M1 Garand rifle, the greatest battle implement ever devised, according to uh, General George Patton, means the same thing. It means liberty. It fought in World War II. It fought in Korea. I understand it also even played a small part in Vietnam. The 30 6 cartridge certainly did. Folks, the key to freedom is the ability to defend yourself. And this includes us as a nation, not just individually. Because if if you don't have the tools to do that, then you're at the mercy of those who would do bad things to you. And the tools for that are guns, as history has proved time and again. And that's why this liberal will always be pro-Second Amendment. This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time. Dad, I know you're looking down on me, and I thank you for looking down on me. This is the first episode I've done since your death, and I will continue doing them. So everyone, shoot straight, safe shooting, keep practicing, and thank you for listening. (laughs) 